lesi sikati sokutanda za angesitu noma ugzika. Sia togoza nigata la pasi. Order, honorable members. Order. The only item on today's order paper is questions addressed to the ministers in cluster three governance. Order, honorable members. Nazir. There are four supplementary questions on each question. Parties have given an indication of which questions their members wish to pose a supplementary question on. Adequate notice was given to parties for this purpose. This was done to facilitate participation of members who are connecting to the sitting through the virtual platform. The members who will pose supplementary questions will be recognized by the presiding officer. In allocating opportunities for supplementary questions, the principle of fairness among others has been applied. A member who is supposed to ask a supplementary question through the virtual platform and is unable to do so due to technological difficulties, the party whip on duty will be allowed uh, to ask the question on behalf of their member. When all supplementary questions have been answered by the executive, we will proceed to the next question on the question paper. Members asking supplementary questions or raising points of order may remain seated when doing so. Although we don't encourage that, this came because of these mics that seem shorter and sometimes when you have documents, you obscure the mic and the, vo the, the, the volume is not clear, especially to those outside who are on virtual platform. Although we don't really encourage it. If you are able to stand, please, you may do so. Honorable members, the first question today, which is question 473, is asked by the Honorable Butelezi S.A. to the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. We now recognize the Honorable the Minister. Uh, thank you very much, House Chair. 
there and honorable members the question is the answer is yes there are improvements in the performance of some of the municipalities mentioned that are placed under administration particularly the amasati uh, amasati local municipality this is what happened a functional audit committee was established the financial delegations were instituted. Negotiations with creditors were undertaken. A financial turnaround plan was adopted by the Municipal Council. Improved legislative co compliance was registered in the annual report and financial statements were prepared and submitted. And meetings were held according to the schedule of ordinary Municipal Council meetings. As a result, there have been improvements also in the audit outcomes from qualified audit in 2018 and 19 to unqualified audit 2019, 2020, and 2020-21 financial years. In Walter Sisulu, local municipality, the improvements noted, including the filling of critical vacancies, such as the municipal manager, the chief financial officer, and the general manager, corporate services. There have been improvements in the functionality of the human resource component. The supply chain management policy was developed and implemented for the running of the procurement management processes. Regrettably, there were improvements, uh, but this did not uh, translate into improve, sustained improved audit opinions. Inok Mkijima, the Eastern Cape Provincial Executive in August 2018 placed Inok Mkijima, local municipality under administration in terms of section 1391B, and five of the constitution. Unfortunately, the intervention did not yield positive results, particularly as it related to the implementation of the financial recovery plan. Cabinet then invoked section 1397 of the constitution, read with section 150 of the Municipal Financial Management Act, of 2003, wherein cabinet imposed a financial recovery plan and assumed the responsibility for its implementation. The national cabinet representative was appointed to lead the intervention team in April 2022. To complement efforts by the national treasury, the minister of court appointed a task team to support the efforts of the national re cabinet representative. It is still early to tell if there are any improvements yet, as work is ongoing and may take time to address all the issues. Raymond Mshaba and Bayas Nodi local municipalities, contrary to the view of the, honor, of, of the honorable member. 
rain one in Shaba and Dr. Ben spares no deal of municipalities were never placed under administration. And the second part of the question, the answer is no. The department has no intention of putting more municipalities under administration. In any case, the responsibility to intervene in the municipalities vested with the provincial government in terms of section 139125. It is only when the provincial government fails to intervene in such dysfunctionality that the national government would consider putting such a municipality under national intervention. Uh, thank you, Honourable. Thank you, Honourable Minister. Honourable Butelezi. Honourable Butelezi of the IFP. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Minister, Honourable Minister, these municipalities are under administration as they are unable to adequately fulfil their executive mandate and legislative obligations. Uh, I'd like to know what are some of the consequence management implementations that have been recommended for those officials who have been found guilty of mismanagement or poor governance? And what is the government's commitment to ensuring that the recommendations are carried through? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Butelezi. The Honorable the Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member Butelezi. Obviously, if an official is found guilty, depending on what he's guilty or she's guilty of, there are consequences. And if you were to mention specifics, then we could deal with that. Thank you. Thank you. The next follow-up questions will come from the Honorable B.M. Hadebe. Asbonge, uh, Minister, experience has shown that the answer to underperforming municipality is not resolved by placing them under administration. Rather, deal with the root cause of underperformance and show appropriate support to match their diagnosis. What will your perspective be in this regard? Secondly, have the root cause analysis which necessitated this intervention in this set municipality been dealt with? Thank you. Nyabonga, stokoze, ma'am. Stokoze, tonishwa. Nyabonga, mshonishu khaten. Naboma spala, abana zinkinga eifanayo. Tongegu shuti nanti indokfanedu yenze across the board. Nyabonga, vumela, nanawe guti. Ufanele <laughs> Sibambisane na ma province. Uguti, yini, isupport, 
enganikezwa kulomasipala makubonakala ukuthi unekinga under section 154 kodwa kumakushula lapho ke bese kiwa ku 139 kungabi 139 okuqalwa ngayo ngiyabonga Choko zemflonishwa eh umbuzo landelayo uza ngo mflonishwa mkalipi No pake So you know this the weekend that will be taking place Eh honorable Mutsekha please Eh honorable McPherson Sorry Chi According to the submission to the table, it's Honourable Brink next. Oh, I'm on the lower one. Sorry. Thank you for that. Yes, Honourable Brink. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, Minister, it would seem that intergovernmental interventions by COGTA are a little bit like President Ramaphosa trying to fill potholes on a dirt road in Dalmas. It's just a mess. Has the Minister considered whether and how national government including national government policy such as preferential procurement and bee in fact contribute to the systemic failure of certain municipalities thank you the honorable the minister eh yabonga intenga isho nje ukuthi nje kamanje the last question will be asked by the Honorable I.M. Krunewald. Thank you, Chair. It is a fact that some municipalities is even worse off after they have been placed under administration, and such municipalities do not comply with Section 138 of the MFMA. And in the light that the president of uh, president said at the Solgon meeting, if you want to see real state capture, you must look at local government, and that a municipal capture leads to wasteful expenditure and bad service delivery. Would the minister then instigate independent forensic investigation to those municipalities that do not improve after intervention? Because the intervention team must surely be then be part of the municipal state capture. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. I Okay. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, we now proceed to question 463, asked by the Honorable Mpumza to the Minister of Cocta. The Honorable, the Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, House Chair. If we look at the Auditor General's report, it does not paint a picture of glaring deterioration as stated. If you look at the outcomes between 2016 and 2017 and 2020 and 2021 financial years, 
Uh, the most recent consolidated general report of the local government audit outcomes reflects an improvement on unqualified audit opinions. In 2019-2020, 128 municipalities obtained unqualified audit opinions for both unqualified audit opinions with no findings and with findings. In 2021, 141 municipalities obtained unqualified audit opinions, both unqualified with no findings and with findings. So this may not be where we want to be, but it is not a deterioration. It is an improvement. Of course, political parties must send ethical leaders to municipalities. The ethical leadership at both political and administration is critical in, stabilization, in the stabilization of municipalities. The local government audit outcomes and court state of local government report confirms the correlation between failures in governance as a main driver for poor performance and undesired audit outcomes. To address the challenges, the municipal support and intervention plans framework has been developed by COPTA, by the provinces, by SALCA and National Treasure to provide guidance on the development, implementation and monitoring of the municipal improvement plans. On the 20th of September, 2022, which is next Tuesday, the Minister of Culture will be launching the Local Government Anti-Corruption Forum and the Local Government Ethical Leadership Initiative in collaboration with key stakeholders. The Local Government Ethical Leadership Initiative project aims to facilitate a national dialogue on ethical leadership in municipalities, culminating in the development of the code for ethical governance for municipalities that sets out the principles and practices for ethical governance and leadership in local government. The B part of the question, the stability of municipal administration is an important component both in building capacity and in creating a conducive environment. To strengthen institutional capacity, the minister promulgated the local government municipal staff regulations, which, pres which prescribe minimum competency requirements for staff below senior management. This should be viewed as a game changer in the professionalization of local government. The department also intends rolling out the prototype staff establishment project in municipalities to address challenges in the organograms of municipalities. The department has, through the Municipal Infrastructure Support Agent, placed civil and electric engineers in provinces to assist municipalities in planning and executing 
of infrastructure projects. The focus of these engineers is, in poor, is on poor performing municipalities and those that lack technical capacity to deal with the service delivery. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think I should also remind members about the time for questions. In that, the first question that is being replied to by the member of the executive, it's four minutes. And all the supplementary questions is two minutes. That's one rule 142 and seven and 142. And then the first reply, I mean the, the second supplementary question. You want to say something? I'm still talking on this. Yeah. The first supplementary question, the member is allowed to use two minutes and subsequently other members who do follow up is one minute. So I, I don't want to sound rude without reminding you because I'm going to stop you even if you are not done. So to be safe, please move away from preambles, especially those doing supplementary questions. Uh, Honorable McPherson. Thanks, Chair, and thanks for reminding members about the times because 1423 states the minister's response must be four minutes. Yes. The minister has spoken now twice for more than four minutes. Not, not um, twice, it's only now. I, I, I timed it myself. Um, and if the minister can speak slightly close to the microphone, members would be able to hear because members are struggling to hear. Okay. No, I, 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 I remember as a chair, I know it's four minutes and for supplementary, it's also two minutes and one minute for those asking. But don't forget that sometimes the discretion works. That's why I'm reminding members now. Uh, Honorable Mpumza. Uh, thanks, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. <clears throat> Minister, one of the key weaknesses that give rise to the Auditor General's findings is the poor performance and the times of complexity of the municipal public accounts committees. What is the view of the Minister that needs to be done to both protect and strengthen public accounts committees? Thank you. Uh, thank you. To strengthen the oversight, some of the interventions were made through the new provision of the Municipal Structures Amendment Act, which empowers municipal public account committees, amongst others, to consider issues related um, raised by the Auditor General. Subsequent to 2021 local government elections and establishment of MPEX, the department, in collaboration with National Treasury, Salka, and other provincial counterparts, embarked on induction programs and workshops for MPECs. Furthermore, the department established MPEC National Forum, which comprised of the Department of National Treasury, Salka, and AG's office, and provincial counterparts to engage on support and monitoring of the functionality of MPECs. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. The next follow-up question will be asked by Honorable Mkalipi. 
Thank you very much, Chair. Minister, the problems experienced by municipalities have been highlighted every single year by the AG. For example, there is a long-standing Section 106 report for Nala municipality in the Free State that has never been actioned. The AG has repeatedly identified the same problems for municipalities such as Amatlat and Makana in the Eastern Cape. Why has there been no remedial action taken based on the findings of the AG on many of these dysfunctional municipalities over past 10 years? Why have the same people who caused the problems not dealt with? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. The Honorable the Minister. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Mkalib. Uh, you just mentioned the municipality of Amatlat. And earlier, I explained what, what we have done in Amatlat and even told this house that they've got an unqualified audit. So I don't know why you're mentioning it as one of those municipalities where nothing is, is happening. Thank you. Honorable Brink. Chairperson. Honorable. Yes, Honorable Kalipi. Yeah, the minister, I mentioned three municipalities, including Nala, Amatlati, and Makana. But why the minister is specifically okay. Okay. Uh, ask, responding on Amatlati? Can you, the minister, Chairperson, uh, answer okay. the question as, as indicated? Thank you. Yes, if honorable members want details about each municipality, they must tell me before I come to the house. Thank you. Uh, presently, the minister is not responding, and can we proceed? Yes, Honorable Nazir. Chair. No, you are, you are member. I think I've responded to you on that. What is it now? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, um, the question specifically asked. Honorable member. Longstanding Section 106 report for Nala Municipality. Yes. Uh, uh, Minister. No, no, we heard the minister. Please sit down. I heard what you are saying. Honorable member, please take your seat. No, take your seat, Honorable uh, Paulson, please. The Honorable Minister has responded. And as always, I will remind you that sitting in this chair, I don't have any right to tell any member of the executive how to respond. And we know what you can do with the dissatisfaction. Please, let's allow this process to go on. Chair. Uh, Honorable Brink. Hi, Chair. Honorable Mkalipi, is that a point of order that I've ruled on? Yes, Chair. This is not on, Chairperson. We come here prepared... But now, I, if the minister, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Wrong, I hear you, but unfortunately, that. we can't resolve that in the house. You know the processes that can be taken. I've ruled on that matter, and I'm not going back to it. Thank you very much, Honorable Brink. Thanks very much, uh, Chairperson. When it comes to audit outcomes, the Minister's own Department of Cooperative Governance has quite a bad record with a string of audit disclaimers and qualified audits, as well as billions in irregular expenditure that still hasn't been addressed relating to the Community Works Programme. Does the Minister consequently find it difficult 
to preach good audit outcomes to municipalities. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you. I've not, I've not had a disclaimer since I arrived in this department. Yes, I found disclaimers in the department. So I do not find it difficult to preach uh, good governance and audits to, to municipalities. But let me explain. There are 257 municipalities. And if you are going to, as a follow-up question, just raise any municipality, I don't have all that information in my head about all the municipalities. It's not that I don't want to answer Honorable Mkalipe. She can ask a question specific on the municipality and in a written question or oral, I'll answer. Thank you. But I can't be expected to know all 256 and answer every municipality that crops up in the house Thank during you. question time. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable Minister. Uh, Honorable Members, don't do that. Honorable Sheikh Imam. Thank you, House Chairperson. Honorable Minister, given that the poor state of some of the municipalities, particularly the high levels of corruption and looting, and I've requested a order, list. order, honourable members. I've requested a list from your deputy minister sometimes last year on particularly KwaZulu Natal, all the tenders that were awarded, who they are, who the directors, what is the value, where they finished on time. But what I want to ask you today, minister, is will you consider putting a mechanism in place at local municipal level that all tenders that are awarded are advertised in the local community newspaper? the value of the contract, who the directors and owners are this, and whether you're getting value for money. That will go a long way, Minister, I believe, in trying to root out corruption, particularly at local government level. Thank Time you. is up. Thank you. Honorable... Uh... Uh, thank you. I, w I will discuss that with my colleague, because as you know, FMN is not under my jurisdiction. It's under treasure. So we, I'll, I'll, I'll take the matter to him and we'll discuss and see what is possible. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, those who are dealing with these cameras, please assist us. I had an opportunity to be on virtual during the sitting yesterday. This doesn't go well. Where you find that there are two pictures, a person is speaking, there's another picture of him behind and it's just mixed up. So let's let's check those cameras. We have seen that many a times. Uh, honorable members, we are done with question uh, 463. We are now on question 492. Asked by the Honorable Schreiber to the Minister of Public Service and Administration. Honorable members, I've been informed that the deputy minister will answer questions on the minister's behalf. May I recognize the honorable, the deputy minister? Thank you, House Chair. Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Schreiber, for asking the question. Um, the deployment committee of the African National Congress is not 
and I repeat, is not an organ of state, and its policies do not constitute law. Consequently, neither the minister nor any executive authority is obliged to implement ANC recommended strategy outside government policy. Due process always prevails in the event there is unlawful and unconstitutional conduct on the part of the minister or an executive authority. To date, no complaint has been received from any aggrieved party alleging that they have been prevented from openly competing for a position in the public service or that having competed, they were overlooked as a result of adherence to the so-called deployment policy. Therefore, there has never been any need for disciplinary action against any official affecting the non-existent or so-called deployment policy of the African National Congress. Personnel or staff in the public service is recruited through public service regulations, recruited and appointed through public service regulations. I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable Schreiber. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Clearly, Chief Justice Zondo disagrees with everything you've just said, Deputy Minister. Allow me to quote directly from the State Capture Report. Quote, within the current constitutional and statutory framework, it is unlawful and unconstitutional for a president of this country and any minister, deputy minister, or director general, or other government official to take into account recommendations of the ANC Deployment Committee, end quote. As you know, the DA has gone to court to abolish cater deployment corruption in line with this finding by Chief Justice Zondo. But what has this government done? And we've seen it again here today. Instead of supporting the DA's efforts to implement the findings of the State Capture Commission, President Ramaphosa has chosen to defend cater deployment by opposing our court case. He has even gone so far as to try and discredit the State Capture Commission, which cost taxpayers over 1 billion rand, by claiming that, his fi that its findings are, quote, not binding. Honorable Deputy Minister, your own Department of Public Service and Administration has also joined the President in defending cadre deployment in court against the DA in defiance of the State Capture Commission. Do you therefore agree with the President that there is nothing wrong with cadre deployment and that the Zondo Commission's findings are not binding? Thanks. Honorable Minister, Deputy Minister. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, it's unfortunate the way you actually misread uh, the contents of the Zondo Commission report. It was based of, on the misinformation that you have actually provided, giving an impression that the African National Congress interferes in recruitment and appointment of staff within the public service. And this is why uh, the Zondo Commission says this is not allowed. And of course, it's not allowed. And no matter how loud it is actually said that it's not allowed, you keep on reporting, re repeating it because it's, you think it's in your favor to give South Africans an impression that the African National Congress goes into government, bars everybody out, and actually appoint only African National Congress members which is not the case. Nobody is actually ever asked to produce a membership of the African National Congress when they come 
looking for work in government. This is what the situation Order. is about. And in terms of, in terms of Honorable the matter, Deputy Minister, Order, before the courts. Again, you actually uh, misrepresent what the uh, their affidavit is all about. The affidavit is not actually saying we are defending cadre deployment. It's actually defending the matter that you have actually put before the courts, which so that they can actually go and make proper representation and not allow you to go and misrepresent government and the African National Congress in the courts. Thank you, thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. Honorable uh, members, please. I nearly asked the Deputy Minister to sit down because you were not prepared to listen to him, to her. You were making noise. Mam Kibi, please start. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Deputy Minister, what we know is that appointments are made with due respect to qualifications and a match between competencies and job functions required in the public service. However, the matter of capability is a much harder uh, requisite skill to achieve. In dealing with appointments, how is capability tested to ensure correct appointments are being made? I thank you. Uh, thank you, Honorable Kibi. It is in the interest of public service to appoint skilled and capacitated and experienced uh, public servants in order for them to manage to carry out the mandate of the public service in an efficient and effective manner. And this is why appointments and assessments or recruitment assessments and appointments within public service are actually properly guided by policies of the public service in government. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Minister, from a principal point of view, a party that wins elections should have the leeway to appoint to position people who are familiar with its policy positions and are trusted. These people must, however, possesses the skills and intellectual, as we have said, capacity provided leadership, and not the appointment merely on the basis of their political party membership, even though they are corrupt and incompetent. What have you done to tighten the process of the appointment to ensure that these who get appointment, regardless of their political beliefs, are competent and incorruptible? Are you satisfied with the output from the National School of Governance in training civil servants despite the poor quality of the curriculum there. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable Deputy Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chair. 
I wouldn't be in the position, uh, Honorable Motsipe, to assist you if you continue to be suspicious of what is actually being done in government. We all know that within the constitutional democracy that we're operating in, everybody's right is protected. And where rights are being violated, everybody has got the right to challenge the right that is being violated. So there's no political party that can ever come into government and actually manage to just appoint only their members. And this is also the situation with the African National Congress. We're not appointing our members. We appoint South Africans because we know once we win elections, we don't uh, represent only uh, uh, members of the African National Congress. We represent South Africans. And in terms of the National School of Government, I hear you doubt the ability and skills of the people who are actually providing services within the National School of Government. Let me just remind you that that National School of Government also is not actually run by ANC cadres. It's run by South Africans who are skilled, who have experience, who've got capacity, who are supposed to actually capacitate all public servants, regardless which political parties they come from. And this is why we are actually looking forward to really manage to build a capable developmental state with the kind of public servants who will be in the position to have after the training. I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you very much. One more reminder before I call on the next uh, uh, follow-up question. Uh, it's uh, 1427. You cannot ask more than one question on a follow-up. Honorable Sheikh Imam. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Honorable Minister, the truth is all political parties only employ people from their own parties in official position. That's a fact. But all political parties, all of them. But, Honorable Minister, Honorable Minister, there is an ideal example of someone in Parliament, this particular House, that has been appointed who doesn't have the skill, does not have the qualification, does not have the experience, earning 2.2 million. There is no position in the structure currently the audit outcome clearly indicated he did not have the experience and the qualification. He still got the job. And somebody in this parliament committed suicide and your public service commission found him guilty, wanting in terms of his conduct with his employees here. Yet parliament has now extended his contract for another one year. Now you tell me, tell me, minister, is this correct? The time is up, Honorable Sheikh Imam. Honorable Deputy Minister. Uh, thank you, Honorable um, uh, Sheikh Imam. Uh, what I need to actually just remind you is also separation of powers. If you talk about matters within Parliament, uh, from public service and administration, we wouldn't be in the position to manage to actually deal with them because Parliament is an independent arm of state. We actually may uh, focus on government. I thank you, House Chairperson. Uh, uh, to the Minister in the Presidency for Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. That is question 464. 
the Honorable the Minister. May please switch on the mic. And if it's possible, we won't hear you from that position. I don't know if you can shift towards the mic. The yes, try that. Thank you. Yes, uh, the department facilitated development of comprehensive national uh, national. GBVF prevention strategy. So one of its kind. The strategy is significantly aligned to Pillar 2, prevention and rebuilding of social cohesion and on of the national strategy plan on the gender-based violence and femicide. Furthermore, the NSP of the GBVF addresses the linkages of poverty, GBVF, and focuses on economic power of women in Pillar 5. The pillar recognizes the clear link between GBVF and economic dependence and seeks to ensure that obstacles to women's economic autonomy are effectively addressed. The pillar sets out to transform the structural makeup of the South African economy by systematically increasing access, control, ownership, and productive resources to women, strengthening the participation in the wealth of work in order to address the economic drivers of gender-based violence across local, provincial, and national spheres of government and the, we would do this working together with enhanced in also by partnership that is growing of working with the National Development Development Plan, the DDM, and all people in our country. This is this is this is a in We have to eat it in chance. But reality is more women are killed by their own in our country. On a point of order, Chair. Honorable Mentor, yes. What's your point of order? The minister is speaking very far away from the mic. We can't okay. hear anything about this important question on GPVF. Even if okay. she can start from the beginning, we're struggling. Okay. Yeah, I can see the mic is not directly with her. That's why I had asked that she changed seats uh, so that she stands she stand directly. Uh, okay, I will allow the minister to sit down. It's better when you are seated, ma. Uh, 
Just proceed from where you ended. Does chair want me to start from the beginning? No, where you ended. Okay. Or, okay. or would you like to start from the beginning? No. Okay. I've finished the answer. Unless or, there are supplementary questions. Oh, you were done. Okay. Yes. No, thank you. I'm sorry. I thought maybe it's me who disturbed you with the point of order. Honorable members, please. Please. The noise is too much. Mepir, Jalapin. Na minister Gorokuil, Karabayarao, Eacanya Ore, Ronale, Tocomelo, Ecolo Holo, Yaro Shuma, Obaro Trotteleja, Loro Legania, Matla, Maraeng Ramafapa, Gudu Gudu, Java Dudi, Lemafapa, Ao Atalana, Lejamalapa, Putisha Caruena, Molotta Petitsi, Gore, Kifit Pisho, Yo Carfagnona. Yama ya khodi ya kho oba ya makhonte yeo ka ya go wa idudisha go ba wa presenta kwa go cabinet yeo e ka ba go ya tswalanya mafapa ka moka ke a leboga modulas tu re a leboga ke leboga eh mololoko ke re indlofya emale we have never had such Pandemic. Babuzwan, a gochi mic lay a witchy than Nani Yagum, a hage. Ragella Pambi. We are working with all government departments, particularly with the IMC, and in particular, report monthly to the president as to the developments in this. Uh, area that we're working in, uh, in a collaborative fashion. We've signed MOUs with uh, other departments where we, we deemed it necessary, basic education, uh, agriculture, and many others to augment the work that is being done by the IMC. Uh, indeed, in dealing with gender-based violence and femicide-related social ills, we need to look at the family structure as the center of education and development. Family sigmas and beliefs must also be addressed. The interventions that are, fam are family-focused aimed at changing behavior should be a priority for development of involvement of community mobilization. According to the gender-based violence and femicide uh, legal uh, uh, provisions, one is obliged to report sexual offenses. Whether it's of next door neighbor or intrusion, it says, no one must be left behind. Winning, if you hear into saying 
of a woman. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Sharif. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Minister, your colleague, Minister Becky Kele, said that a woman is lucky to be raped by one man instead of multiple men. The root cause of gender-based violence remains how men view women and their view on GBVF. Minister, you are meant to be at the forefront of ensuring that GBVF is being fought against at all levels, in all circles and spaces you find yourself in, and should speak against such patriarchy, including those within your own party. Do you agree with Minister Pele's views and have you used your position in cabinet to raise this in order to show that no matter who you are, you cannot say such insensitive things? I thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ma'am, Honorable Minister. Every opportunity we get, we start with, if we have to have a peaceful and safe South Africa, it has to start from home, from it, for, for it, it takes a village to raise a child. We cannot raise boy children separate from girl ch uh, children. We mustn't orientate them separately. We, they are all our children and we should endeavor to do that. We also have worked with all the five ministries uh, of forming the IMC to deal with this problem. But the root cause of it is what do the families, what do the communities, and what do the uh, the whole the, the totality of the society say about this menace? We fought COVID together. We can, and we only hoped that it would be. We will be bringing, after two years of negotiating with different stakeholders, government and non-governmental, but also NETLEC, past parliament, I'm sorry, past cabinet, and we are now coming uh, with the permission of the cabinet to the, to the National Assembly to do away with the sketch. Thank you. Uh, Mam Kaula. Uh, thank you, Chair. We'll take it on behalf of Mam Kaula. Uh, Minister, we struggle to understand your, your role in the context of the struggles of women in this country. Women are economically marginalized, and yet you have no programs of any kind to empower women economically. Women are daily victims of, pro of protecting themselves. It's, it's given to the, to the police alone while you sit and fiddle your, your, your fingers. We want to know, Minister, what post-trauma trauma programs has, has your department put in place for women who have been sexually violated in this country? Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Minister. 
There is a call center which we share with the five five IMC uh, ministers appointed by the president, and we share the uh, the information with the police with, with the president every month. But uh, like I said, if we had to change this thing that's new from us, we will have to start with the family and orientation of our families and do away with drugs and all uh, alien things that, things that come our way and unfortunately came to during or heightened up between, during the, the, the serious lockdown for it was necessary. So we have to come back together and finally after having consulted all the constituencies, we will move to forming the Gender-Based Violence uh, Council. It will pass through the, it has passed through all the other stages, but it will also go to the, come to you, Parliament, to debate this and finish with it so that we leave no one behind and we work to mean that it is our problem, all of us. It is not a problem of women who are being killed and girl children killed. It is a problem of socialization of all our people. Men, particularly men who are non-toxic masculinity to come to the show and work with us from all walks of life where one has been to thank to you that... it's okay thank you the uh, chairperson, up. sorry chairperson I, I i would avail i would say that uh, uh, the eff is available you know chairperson for breathing classes and and voice projects is that a point of order <laughs> That's not a point of order, I'm sorry. That's not a point of order. Please let's not bring frivolous point of orders in the house. Uh, I have yeah. a IFP, I don't have the name. Who's taking the supplementary question? Honorable Chairperson, I'll take it on behalf of uh, Honorable Shangwa. She's having load shedding problems. And I'm going to follow my question, if you agree. And I'm going to follow up on my question on the issue of post-trauma, as asked by the Honourable EFF member. Far too often, Honourable Chair and Minister, we focus on the victim and what happens to the victim and what kind of counselling should be made available to the victim. But little do we realise, and we should be realising, that the impact on a family on children within a household who see their partners abused through drug or alcoholic abuse, what kind of psychological and social support does your department offer to the family unit, especially to children that may be traumatized from any action of gender-based violence within a household? Because we are neglecting those children that are affected by this gender-based violence. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. We are working 
of Apex with five IMC uh, cabinet ministers, but this matter needs all of us. It must start from the family, it to the community, to the society at large. It has to be that we are all concerned with this because the enemy is not from without, but from within. Thank you. We now move to question 486, asked by the Honorable Heron, also asked to the Minister of in the Presidency for Women, Youth, and Persons with Disabilities. That's the question of Shongo. Question 486. Four, eight, Honorable Heron has asked the question. Should I assist oh, yeah. by reading the question, maybe? Yes. Okay. You just... If I, I may, the question 486, asked by the Honorable Heron of Good to the Minister in the Presidency for Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. The question states that with reference to the national gender-based violence, if the minister is listening, mm -hmm. with reference to the national gender-based violence helpline 0800-150-150, which is a government initiative advertised as being 24-hour call center dedicated to providing support and counseling to victims of GBV and was widely published and used in various campaigns as the number to call when finding yourself in dangerous situation. What a number of calls are received on average in a day? Two, type of services are rendered through the initiative to activate and source relevant assistance for the victim when in immediate danger. The helpline, Honorable Minister. Thank you, Chair. Are you okay now? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, with reference to gender-based violence, 
helpline. Uh, we receive in 24 hours many uh, calls which would be calling on one, asking for help, asking for dealing with the uh, dangerous situations where they would be in, uh, to also find how they should be assisted. We are still working with the, the Minister of Social Development and, and uh, Public Works to get adequate uh, places of safety for women in distress. And we think we were turning the corner. But nevertheless, from Ngwangwa to Matatiele to Mbumalanga to all corners of our country, the lamentation is one. It was at one stage, maybe it's, I don't know, I don't want to say it's traditional, that if one cries next door, but now you will be found liable if you are hearing but you do nothing about it. We are also moving towards the 15 days of activism against women and children uh, and girls. We need to work together. This is not a matter for the department or some selected department, but for all of us. If we have conquered or we are conquering uh, COVID-19, we should be able to deal with this man-made uh, calamity that is facing us today. This is exacerbated by unemployment, which uh, added on by the two million people who lost their jobs, during COVID, plus the fact that we were just emerging from other challenges as a young nation. So we think the GBVF Council would allow us, as and when it's launched, as it went through the network, through, it's going through parliament, to, to cabinet, it will finally get to the honorable members of the house to say, how do we deal with once and for all? It is not a problem of women. It is a problem of the society at large. Thank you. Honorable Heron. Thank you, House Chair. Um, House Chair. Um, Order, Chair. Yes, Honorable Mkalipi, what's your point of order? Chair, who is the Deputy Minister of uh, the Minister in Women and the President? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Order, Honorable Members, Mani, Giza Pendula, Honorable Members, uh, Honorable Member, unfortunately, that's not a point of order. We proceed. Honorable Heron, please continue. Thank you, House Chair. Um, House Chair, I'm, I'm not sure that the Minister answered the question. I don't know how many calls were received in 24 hours on the, in average. But in any event, um, we agree that the 
the scourge of GBF, GBVF is a whole of society uh, problem and that the helpline is an important tool um, in helping us to address the scourge and to provide some assistance to those who need it. Um, we have as a party taken it upon ourselves to amplify the, the, the availability of the service through a campaign that we call Don't Shut Up, Speak Up. We are running campaigns on social media and paid for radio ads where um, good leader and Minister Dalil is calling on communities to speak up. But when you test the number sometimes, Minister, the, the number is sometimes not answered. Um, on occasion, when it is answered, the, the call center um, operators are very empathetic and very um, sympathetic. But the one thing that is perhaps missing is they are unable to respond to an emergency. If someone is in a, a situation that was emer that, that constituted thre a threat to their life or their body, the person on the other side of the call um, is not able to put that person through to the police or to social services. And so I'm asking the minister, isn't it time that we enhance the service? First of all, making sure that it is operational, but also that it connects to the police and to social services so that people can be connected to shelters or can get emergency help when it is needed most. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Well, we, we cannot agree with you more. Safe to say that we will never have enough uh, disintegrating of families and putting them in a, a place of safety. We need to make South Africa work and defeat this enemy like we defeated apartheid, working together. None of us should be left behind and none of us should feel uh, not, not being taken care of. So this matter is still going to come to Parliament and Parliament would also help because it's not a, a, a challenge of women. It's women and girl children. And unfortunately on last Saturday, even school, school children are crying for safety. It's not a matter of Minister Peggy, Peggy Pelle only, but all of us because it's a man-made uh, problem and we will never have enough shelters. But we must also be on the door to help survivors. We should not call them victims forever because that doesn't help. Thank you. Uh, honorable Prudence, it's what is written here. PB Prudence. Thank you, House Chair. Uh, Honorable Minister, indeed, what you are saying that uh, the fight against GPVF needs all of us as South Africans. It cannot be just the department and the police. My question to you, Honorable Minister, is that since the setting up of the GPVF, Command Center. Has the department conducted an analysis of the nature of cases that are received by the center? Secondly, how, how is the national strategic plan 
doing in its uh, progress towards its defined uh, objectives. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Thank you. I hope Thank you took note of 1427, not more than one supplementary question. But it's up to the minister if she wants to respond to both. Honorable Minister. Chair, I thank you for the question from the member. But I also want to reiterate that it is going to take all of us to really fight this menace that became worse with COVID. We need to work towards a social, socioeconomic inclusion of women so that women don't stay in toxic uh, relationships for the mere fact of being looked after when the next thing would be to take them cold out of that kind of a, a, a situation. So we we are not, our mandate is not only to save women from being hurt, but also to open up doors, as President has said, for them to also have a meaning to, to help themselves open doors for women to become full participation, full participants in the uh, uh, economy of our country. And that uh, equal job is equal to uh, uh, value, is equal to the remuneration that they'll get at the end. That has been a problem even in the civil service. Uh, so come one, come all, we will send the invitations. In October, we will have Wakona uh, in partnership with the, with, with, with the uh, COGTA. And in December, we will have 16 days of activism. Thank but you. Oksalayo, it's open up Amasango so that women do not stay in relationships because Thank you. they will be looked after. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, Honorable uh, Maregua, my apologies. On the, the guide, it's Maregua. On the summary, it's prudence. Sorry. Uh, we now proceed and call on the Honorable Sharif with a supplementary question. Um, thank you, House Chairperson. Minister, 153 women being raped in South Africa every day is evidence that your department continues to fail women in South Africa. In order to have a whole of society approach, how many NGOs or civil organizations is the National Helpline on GBVF working with to ensure that an effective response to GBVF? Um, how many NGOs and civil organizations do they work with? Um, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Minister. Thank you very much. Uh, women fought side by side with men for a free South Africa. They are not to sit on the floor to 
collect crumbles, but be as they did at the center of where things are going wrong. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the rape, it's not a woman raping a man, but otherwise. We also have to work, and we are working with the Department of Education. We're using the DGM model. We are uh, looking at all other avenues that we can in innovation to make sure that women take their rightful place. But where we are sitting, uh, the, the black women's space is a replica of what poverty is in South Africa. So if we work together and acknowledge that these are not visitors, they are and they have been part and parcel of this South Africa we celebrate today uh, throughout the world. Even our constitution, or starting with our constitution. Thank you. Honorable Sonti, you are the last uh, with a supplementary question on this uh, question 486. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Minister, the reality is that any woman who are victims of abuse do not know about the existence of this hotline because you have done nothing to publicize it. Beyond the hotlines, women need physical spaces where they can get assistance and advice. Have you engaged with the Department of Social Development and the Department of uh, the, the Police about creating the physical safe heavens for abused women in the country? If not, why have you not had those engagements? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Again, I will refer you to 1427, but it is the minister's prerogative to respond. Well, I've said it before, but I'll repeat again that uh, the call center is shared between the IMC, appointed by the president, but in particular, it is the social development ministry that pays uh, civil society organizations. We use even radio uh, stations of, for all other languages to know what to say or what to ask when they are in distress. So we all need to work together to do away with this menace. Thank you. We now proceed to question 465, asked by the Honorable Maneli to the Minister in the Presidency. Honorable the Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chair. A diagnostic report on the state of planning in the national and provincial spheres of government 
was commissioned. It outlined the following. A number of recommendations, which include, amongst others, capacity building, learning, monitoring and evaluation in government, interlinkages between the spheres of government and the finalization of integrated development planning framework. The DPMESR department did develop a policy framework for integrated planning, which promotes and improves integration, harmonization of planning across the planning system, including national, provincial, and local government, and state-owned enterprises. Further provides analysis of draft strategic plans and annual performance plans of all spheres, in particular national and provincial. Three rounds of assessing these APPs will take place. He also, as a department, developed a pilot and piloted an annual performance plan rating tool to assist national departments in improving the quality of their APPs. The development of APPs is guided by a revised framework on strategic and annual performance. We did issue circulars to provide guidance to ensure that departments plan in line with priorities. We also have produced a budget prioritization framework to guide budgeting and allocation of funds in line with the agreed annual plans. In partnership with National School of Governance, we have developed three-day training course that focuses on theory of change for planning in the public services. The department also hosts a number of forums to engage on this phenomenon. Amongst others is National Technical Planning Forum, practice for public entities, National Steering Committee for Integrated Planning. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Honorable Manelli. Minister, on a regular basis, the Department and National Treasury interfaces with national and provincial departments in an assessment and self-assessment of performance. What are the findings from this assessment session that will assist Parliament oversight focus on performance and accountability? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. I am advised that at some stage that exercise did come to a stop. But having said, in giving the opening answer, we are we are processing, and it's a policy that is going to land here in Parliament and translate into legislation an integrated policy framework, which will take care of the objectives that exercise had intended. Thank you, Katumbel. Question, Gelak. Now, we all know that the 
ANC's litany of governance and delivery failures is caused primarily by the culture of chronic weak accountability for poor performance and misconduct in the public sector, which itself is rooted in the ANC's cancer of cadre deployments that has infected virtually every department and organ of state. It is only when public officials and political office bearers face the threats of being fired for chronic underperformance or maladministration when we'll start seeing a turnaround. And the enforcement of this has to start right at the top, cascading down to every level of government. So, Minister, when will we start seeing recommendations by the DPME for the dismissal of Deadwood in the public sector? And in particular, the enforcement of this hard line by the president, by him firing poorly performing cabinet ministers. Thank you. Your time is up. Your time is up. Honorable Minister. Very much, Honorable Member. I am yet to find, I am yet to find, after an interview, a recommendation for appointing a candidate on the basis that he's a member of the ANC. I am yet to find that in the documents of government. I'm yet to find that. Secondly, I'm yet to find all these officials, DG down, having been appointed because their CV says you are from Lutuli House. I have not come across that. However, an impression that there are no excellent pockets in this government would also be misleading. Uh, you've got performing financial institutions under the leadership IDC. Yes, IDC, Sastria, which was able to pay insurance, is ran under this government. Had it not been properly run, it was actually organized in the manner you say. It would not have had the capacity. We have a treasure. Honorable McPherson, firstly, I don't know why you are standing because the minister is responding. Yeah, now we have stop talking. All I'm trying to say, we've got a number of excellent institutions in this government. Now, well, you can make your size. The point I'm making is that then if you, you take that into account. Surely, that's a demonstration of a government that wants to get things better. As I'm talking to you now, I'm, te- I'm telling you about a number of interventions, with the diagnostic and otherwise. All these interventions are intending to turn around government. Just recently, we have actually announced bullying data, uh, structural reform- reforms, which have been widely accepted in South Africa. So all I'm saying is that if it satisfies you to believe that this government is going down, you must leave that as your comfort. But people are going to demonstrate as we move on. Unfortunately, your time is up, Minister. Thank you very very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Minister, the biggest weakness of the government white monitoring and evolution system 
is that it does not give feedback to performance improvement of the underperforming ministries and departments to task. Neither do you have authority to modify their performance. With this in mind, should it not be better to leave the monitoring, evaluation and reporting to the departments themselves and to hold them accountable for their own failures because as it is, the ministry is in an unnecessary declaration? Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Makomani. Honorable Minister? Maybe one of the issues we are not going to be able to do. To, to. They say you can take a horse to the river, but you can't force it to drink. The honorable member is asking a question whether indeed we deal with issues of underperformance or we write any recommendation. And I'm saying, if you read the records that we circulate in the state, you will find that, that we do. Secondly, you will understand that the, the separation of functions dictate that somebody else should evaluate you at the risk of you judging yourself from the egotistic point of view. So we still believe separation of these functions remains correct, but our commitment is to continue improving. Thank you very much. Um... The last question on question 465 is from the IFP. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Minister, Honorable Manelli, who is an ANC member to boot, has clearly identified the shortcomings that are revealed within departments in her question when an oversight committee scrutinizes that department's budget. Now, you've spoken about the diagnostic report that was commissioned. You've spoken about plans produced. You realize that there are shortcomings in departments. What does the Department of Monitoring and Evaluation do to ensure that these shortcomings within the departments are brought to the attention of the departments? Firstly, and can you give us one example of a direct intervention by Department of Monitoring and Evaluation that has helped a department improve accountability and their performance? Thank you. Thank you. The Honorable the Minister. Thank you, Honorable Sheikh. As I'm talking to you now, we've got a special session in the area of infrastructure to improve systems alignments and to make sure that project preparation capabilities are improved. As we speak now, one of the challenges in infrastructure is the inequitable distribution of capabilities in in preparation for projects. As we speak to you now, a number of projects that have passed the test are mainly in the metro municipalities and at national level because of the inequitable distribution of that. Those are some of the examples of our interventions. And I've already said that we have circulated documents. We actually do half-yearly assessment. In that half-yearly assessment, we actually analyze performance and underperformances and follow that 
with what you call remedial actions. Thank you, Honorable Secretary. Thank you. We now proceed to question 495, asked by the Honorable Gondwe to the Minister of Public Service and Administration. 495, may I ask the Deputy Minister to respond? Thank you, House Chair. Uh, thank you, Dr. Gondwe, for asking the question. Lifestyle audit uh, process commenced on the 1st of April, 2022. The department will circulate on the 31st of October, 2022, letters and a template to national and provincial departments to provide further progress regarding conducting and investigating uh, lifestyle audits. Feedback to the Department of Public Service and Administration is expected to be on or before the 31st of January, 2023, taking into account timeframes for financial disclosures. This is the first year of implementing lifestyle audits. Currently, 51% of national departments and 17% of provincial departments have already conducted lifestyle audits. I thank you. House Chairperson. Thank you, Dr. Gondwe. Yes, uh, Honorable McPherson. Um, Chair, uh, we did notify the table. The uh, Dr. Schreiber will be taking the follow-up on behalf of Dr. Gondwe. Thank you. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. It's here. Uh, Mr. S Dr. Schreiber. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, I just first need to flag that if the Deputy Minister is not aware about cater deployment, she could ask her colleague sitting next to her, Honorable Lamini Zuma, who attended on the 11th of May, 2020. Chair, um, on this question of lifestyle audits, and specifically when it comes to cabinets, the president in his first State of the Nation debate in 2018 promised lifestyle audits also for ministers and cabinets uh, members with much fanfare. And yet here we are over four years later, and now we hear about 2023. After nearly a full term in office, not one cabinet member in this government has been subjected to a lifestyle audit. Instead of new dawn, we've got new dololo. But perhaps this is all because the president himself doesn't actually want to undergo a lifestyle audit himself. After all, such an audit may very well have uncovered millions of dollars stuffed in the furniture at Palapala. And yet, there is one government in this country that immediately implemented lifestyle audits upon assuming office. A government that says what it means and does what it says. That government is the Western Cape government, led by DA Premier Alan Windy. Not a single other province has conducted a single lifestyle audit on a single cabinet member, but the Western Cape has finalized its audits over three years ago. Honorable Deputy Minister, given that the DA-led Western Cape has succeeded in conducting lifestyle audits where the ANC-run national government and all eight ANC-run provinces have failed, does this confirm that the DA runs cleaner and more effective governments than the ANC ever could? Thank you. Deputy Minister... Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. I'm not sure why Honorable uh, Dr. Schreiber is actually persisting on engaging on cater deployment when we are now on lifestyle audits. Um, I guess whatever I've actually said to you earlier must be very painful. Uh, but in terms of lifestyle audits, you're actually saying we, we've done nothing, regardless of the fact that I've just indicated that the process has started in April 2022. 
we have already started. And I've indicated the figures nationally, uh, it's 51%. Um, and for the provinces, it's 17%. This is what I said earlier. Now you want me to repeat it. And somehow, to some extent, you want to actually say, it's only the Western Cape that's only doing it. Are you a government within a government that is actually running independently? Because we, Western Cape is supposed to be getting cues from the national uh, government. And we are happy that Western Cape is responsive. No. Equally so with other uh, provinces and departments in terms of what is required in uh, really uh, doing lifestyle audits. Thank you. Thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, we proceed to make we make no. <laughs> Yes. It says here, Mam TBTB, or did they change it? Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. I will take this follow up question on behalf of Mr. James Jonjo. Honorable uh, DM, the take up of lifestyle orders across the country without any provincial exception, can only be described as extremely poor. Whilst appreciating the complexities of conducting such audits, what are the underlying reasons for this and what is going to be done about it? Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry they gave me an outdated uh, one. The new one says, uh, uh, Mr. Jojo, Mr. James, you are right. So I'll just put this one up. Uh, no. Proceed, uh, Deputy Minister. Uh, thank you, uh, House Chairperson, uh, and thank you, Honorable Mkweba, for the question. Uh, reasons that hamper the initial implementation of lifestyle audits are as follows. The ethics officers are designated in terms of public service regulations um, and not appointed. As such, some departments rotate them on an annual basis. Um, with uh, the movement destabilizing these officers. Uh, the Forum for South African DGs, that is FOSAT, is actually looking into the matter. Lifestyle, lifestyle reviews entail the verification of information submitted via e-disclosure systems and identifying any unexplained wealth detected in the process. When anomalies are detected, Referrals are made for investigation. The legality of lifestyle audits were questioned to the extent that implementation thereof was delayed, especially with the confusion around the position of lifestyle audits versus the requirements of the uh, of COPIA, Protection of Personal Information Act. This legal position was clarified and further awareness sessions were conducted with ethics officers and provinces. Public Service Regulation 22 provides for lifestyle audits to be legally conduct conducted as part of department's risk management process. There is no absolute right to the protection of personal information and no absolute ban on processing personal information because we know in terms of Section 36.1 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, uh, it actually makes clear reference to uh, limitation to rights. 
BOPIA provides that public body is exempted from conditions for the lawful processing of personal information where strict compliance... Unfortunately, the time is up. Thank you. Thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable uh, Komani. Thank you very much, House Chair. Minister, have you engaged with, with SARS in the process of, of conducting these lifestyle audits to ascertain that people are living within their means in, in cases where it is found that people's lifestyles exceed their earnings capacity, what steps will be taken to ensure that those who's finance, who finance their lifestyles via corrupt means are, are prosecuted? Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. Thank you very much. I've actually indicated that when there is unexplained wealth, uh, investigation, referrals are made and investigations will actually be conducted and those investigations would actually include every public institution that we may possibly utilize, including SARS. I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. We are now Honorable Swart. Is the last thank one this one? Thank you, House Chair. May I, with your permission, leave myself and the video off? Thank you, um, Deputy Minister. Rising from your response, the ACDP shares the view that, that lifestyle audits that were introduced in April 2021 are important management tools to prevent fraud and corruption in the public service. And we commend those various departments who have complied. Um, obviously, there's still a long way to go. I want to ask you about the issue of once investigations have been conducted, whether there be cooperation with SARS. You've already responded to that, and I appreciate that. But one of the issues I'd like you to touch on is one of the problems is where public servants violate the Public Service Act by conducting business with the state, often at grossly inflated prices, or conducting other remunerated work without the requisite authorization. Your time is up, Honourable Member. Will this be investigated? Thank you. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. It wasn't really easy to hear Honourable Swart, uh, but what I actually think I heard is he wants to actually know what, what should actually then follow after investigations. And primarily what needs to happen is after investigations and criminal charges will be laid. Um, disciplinary processes will actually take place within the department. So there will be due process in a nutshell, Honorable Swart, in order for us to actually conclude the process. I thank you. Thank you. Uh, we now proceed and go to question. 484, as to the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, it's asked by the Honorable Mkalipi. The Honorable, the Minister. Uh, thank you, House Chair, and thank you to Honorable Mkalipi. Yes, the answer is no. I've not been informed of any such investigation at Umzwabandu Local Municipality in Guazulu Natal. But I have uh, sent an inquiry to the province after receiving the, the question. So I will be following up with them. I've not yet got a response. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Chair. Honorable Mkalipi, please proceed. Thank you very much, Chair. Minister. Chair, can I be protected? Thank you. Minister, 
that is, is not true. I will also unpack it for you. The situation of Umzwabandu local municipality was sent to your office via email to your PA, chief of staff, and admin. Uh, the date is 17 June 2022. It's not possible that all of these people didn't uh, send it to you. One forensic investigation advised council to suspend MM and other managers, but NC councillors protected corruption. This is was sent to your office. And I'm so surprised that you, you are saying here publicly that you didn't get it because it was sent on the above date. So now I wanted to know specifically, your office was informed or not about ABC councillor who is residing outside the jurisdiction of Umzwabandu local municipality. Because this person by the name of Mrs. Nontlantla Lutuli is planted by that municipal manager of Umzwabandu, Mr. Kumete. So I just wanted to know, what are you going to do to protect people of Umzwabandu against this illegal uh, action by the APC councillors uh, there in Umzwabandu? So, and then secondly, could you please ask your staff members, because I want to know from you, why you didn't reply to the email that was sent to you in June? Because the corruption that is taking place there, Minister, you know very well that it's also costing people's life. People are dying uh, when they are fighting corruption in the municipalities. So you are the last result as the Minister to intervene in such matters. Could you please respond very faithfully this time, Minister? Honorable Kalipi, before the minister responds, you are aware that you asked a question that is, is not a follow-up to the initial question, which is in the rules. And it says directly that you must ask a question aligned to the initial question. No, but Chair. When you the, asked your no, second chair. question. Honorable no, Minister, no, respond. I ask specifically a question that is a follow-up to the original question. Is about whom you want to check. Stop protecting ministers. Yes, you are right there, but the, 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 the office and the staff, that doesn't come here. Uh, Honorable Minister, proceed. Thank you, House Chair. First of all, I just want to object to the insinuation. If the Honorable Minister has the, the Honorable Kalipe has. No, you are right. I'm the future Minister of your portfolio. Correct, Madame. Honorable Mkalipe, you don't do that. Really, you don't do that. You are out of order, Honorable Mkalipe. You can't respond when the Minister is responding. Please send me Wait. the email. And the PA to which it was sent, I have not received that information. Thank you. Honorable members, we proceed. The next follow-up will be from Honorable Direko. Ising wotlo ri potwa ka mona e ka ga minister ke ka golo ya tete eh mmele tona ke a utlwa re motsotso wa hona jwale ha o tsebe hore hona le dikhuputso tsentse di etsuwa masipaleng ona jwale ke ne ke botsa hore na ho ka nkana ko e kae hore o re khumanele hore na dikhuputso tseo tsentse di etsuwa di se di le di kajuwe kana ko e kae di se di le ho kae motsotso wa hona jwale ke a lebo Did you get the translation, Honorable Minister? No, this thing doesn't work. I but didn't. are you okay with the question? No. Uh, can you try again, please? I, I, I got the last one about the time frame 
but the earlier that's the question man oh okay well i'll i can say i give the i can give them one week or what's the day today yeah let me give them just this week and then next week i must make sure that they have responded thank you thank you no you had the question man thanks um Honorable Khurnevald. Thank you, Chair. It is a fact that the forensic investigation was done at the Matlusana municipality in 2016 by Open Waters Forensic Investigations and was already reported to the Provincial Expo in 2016 with findings of over 1.8 billion irregular expenditure of, expenditure of taxpayers' money. The Freedom Plus applied through a prior application to the Northwest Province for a report and was refused. And in the light that the forensic report should be reported to the Minister, which he then explained why there was no action taken due to the information of fraud and corruption being highlighted in this report, and which he made the report available to myself. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Minister. Uh, Honorable House Chair, we're talking about Humzuabant. We're not talking about Matlusane. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Honorable Hendricks. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you to the Minister for assurance that uh, she is taking up uh, this matter. Uh, also, thank you to Honorable Kalepi for bringing it to the attention of Parliament. The corruption in this municipality, which is also called Harding, is very serious. Will the Minister advise Al Jamaa? and the EFF of her findings and what actions she has taken after getting a response. Honorable Minister, I don't know if you want to respond. I had a comment mostly. I will send the answer to Parliament. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we now proceed and go to question 466. As to the Minister of Public Service and Administration by the Honorable Ntuli. The Honorable, the Deputy Minister, question 466. Uh, thank you, House Chair. <laughs> uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Uh, introduction of a guide to managing discipline in the public service was adopted in April 2021. Accounting officers are, in terms of Public Service Act 1994, responsible to ensure effective um, and appropriate disciplinary action against employees found guilty of financial misconduct. The challenge is being responded to in two ways. One, ensuring full implementation of legislative requirements uh, to disciplinary action, and two, uh, the provision of technical uh, support by the Department of Public Service and Administration uh, through the Public Administration Ethics, Integrity, and Disciplinary Ta uh, Technical um, Assistance uh, Unit. I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. Um, the Honorable Julie. Thank you, Honorable uh, uh, House Chair, and thank you, DM, 
for your response. But uh, furthermore, I would like uh, to ask the follow-up question. Say, surely a period of three years lapsing before an employee who has been found guilty of financial misconduct cannot um, can apply for a post in government is far too short. This is hardly punitive. Give the number of cases uh, that the Public Service Commission has reported in brackets rate four found guilty in a year and does not serve as a deterrent. What uh, informs such a, a, a minimalist approach? Secondly, is the public administration ethics, integrity, and disciplinary uh, technical assistance unit mandatory in case of financial misconduct assisting? If not, why not? Thank you. You are, you are, you are aware you have asked more than one question. Prerogative of the minister, the minister. Deputy Minister. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Uh, in terms of, um, and thank you, Honorable Ntuli, for the question. In terms of the South African law, the belief is that any person can be rehabilitated and reintegrated into society once they have served their sentence. As such, the period of three years is deemed appropriate to prohibit a person who was found guilty of financial misconduct to be reappointed to the public service. However, this does not mean a person will necessarily be reappointed to the position that poses high risk, such as the one in finance environment. To address such risk, in 2020, the Department of Public Service and Administration revised the Z83 form um, to the extent that the application form for this position would actually manage to give information in terms of the transgressions that have happened in the past. It is since then a requirement that applicants disclose all past misconduct. This information is considered during the appointment process. If it is not disclosed, the person uh, should be uh, dismissed. Uh, with the assistance of uh, the uh, Bayedu, or we call it Public Administration Ethics, Integrity and Disciplinary Technical Assistance Unit, cases of financial misconduct um, are found not to be mandatory as it, is, it is, as it is not prescribed as a mandate of the unit in terms of Section 15 of the Public Administration Act of 20, 2014. Thank you. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Dr. Schreiber. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, this question obviously relates to financial misconduct and one of the key ways in which that can be addressed in addition to what the minister has highlighted is of course the lifestyle audit. So we see how this all fits together. So given some of the statistics we've seen around disciplinary cases not being uh, finalized, only 28% of cases in provincial departments have been finalized this year. And given the financial misconduct, over 100 million rand that, that this has cost South Africans, I think we need absolute clarity on this question of addressing financial misconduct and specifically on lifestyle audits. 
So I'd like to know, has the deputy minister or any other current cabinet member personally undergone a lifestyle audit? Yes or no? Thanks. Thank you. Honorable Deputy Minister. Uh, thank you, uh, House Chairperson, and thank you, Dr. Schreiber, for the question. Um, basically, this question has got to do with financial misconduct, and I see you're going back to the, uh, the previous question in terms of the lifestyle audit. Uh, it's very interesting, and it's, it's indeed something that you need to develop interest in because we are actually really serious about fighting corruption. And this is why earlier I've actually said to you the process only started in April 2022. So we are busy with the process and you are, for, for now, what you're actually expressing, uh, you're interested in understanding as to whether uh, the executive will also undergo lifestyle audits. Yes, uh, that is in the pipeline. It will happen. I thank you. Honorable Order. Thank there shall be order in the house. Honorable Mutsipe. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Minister, departments are reported to have irregular and wasteful expenditure every single financial year. And quite a number of officials do conduct business with the state, illicitly or explicitly. What steps have you undertaken to ensure that you improve the skills capacity of public officials to manage public finance better and being the stumbling blocks towards ensuring that no public servants conduct business with the state and minister don't be irritated please answer the questions thank you honorable deputy minister thank you house chairperson and thank you for the question honorable member uh basically what you are actually asking you want to find out as to whether the mic closer please thank you um, we are actually taking um, the whole issue of financial misconduct very serious. Measures are put in place to ensure that we deal with these with matters of this nature in a very effective and efficient manner. An honourable member wants to know how do we then train uh, public servants in order for them to know how to handle finances? Yes, we do that. Uh, and we, you, you would understand that finances normally would be under the chief financial officers who actually put proper financial control measures. But at the same time, we do continue with, with uh, ongoing training within public service, depending on the competencies of every public servant, including uh, issues of finances, which, with, which are matters that are actually also dealt with by the National School of Government. But what you need to actually also note, member, is that uh, as a country, we have a good legislative framework that actually assists us to know how to deal with finances. We have the Public Finance and Management Act that clearly articulates how the finances of this country must actually be handled. And what, what is important is to actually enforce uh, compliance measures to be sure that the finances of the country are actually utilized properly in a way that monies of this country will continue to develop and advance this country. I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. 
Deputy Minister, as we get the last uh, supplementary question from Nko Sitebekulu. Thank you. I'll take it on the Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. What 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 improved measures of government monitoring his department action in order to root out, out corruption? What meaningful role could the Public Service Commission play, and what are the turnaround times for these cases? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Pebekulu. Uh, the, the that is Honorable Sitole on Honorable behalf of Honorable, 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 Honorable Sitole. Uh, the Public Service Commission continues with its role of actually monitoring um, across the board in terms of what is happening in government and including uh, issues of financial management and misconduct. Um, the Public Service Commission would therefore write reports that would actually help to guide processes within government, indicate as to where we need to actually focus attention on, and we continue to uh, try and respond to whatever reports are submitted by the Commission. I thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable members, we now move to question four, six, seven. As to the Minister of Cocta by the Honorable Simango. Uh, thank you very much, House Chair, and thanks to Honorable Simang for the question. Uh, the interventions are implemented or being considered by the department to ensure the municipalities will effectively utilize the grants are in line with the Division of Revenue Act proposed various financial disciplinary measures to ensure the grants are effectively utilized. Transfers are withheld should expenditure and implementation progress not be substantial to warrant a further transfer. Transfers are only paid when progress has been made on the previous transfers. Through the support and monitoring given by the Municipal Infrastructure Support Agency, MISA, technical personnel on technical personnel and on an average expenditure of 90% municipal infrastructure allocated has has been maintained. So MISA supports through the technical support in the whole value chain of need, as well as support where projects are checked for quality prior to the authorization of payment. This cost reimbursement model being implemented in 18 municipalities for 2022 and 2023. But in the previous case, NISA has assisted 25 municipalities that were underperforming, who are now performing very well. Unfortunately, MISA is a very small uh, unit. If it had more engineers, 
it would assist even more municipalities. But with the engineers that it has and the planners that it has, it is assisting municipalities because we do know that the communities suffer if the meat is withheld because the infrastructure is not for the municipality, it's for the communities. Minister Ola Tegele, Mike. Oh, we put the yana now. Sorry. Kota bangs will and Abeba complaining songs. So, Gizos on there. Thanks, House Chair. And then the, yeah, so that's the answer. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Masimango. Uh, thank you very much, uh, House Honorable House Chair, uh, and thank you again, Honorable uh, Minister, for a detailed uh, response. A follow-up question will be, could the conversion of a portion of municipal allocations in terms of the Division of Revenue Act from uh, direct to indirect grant be a solution to protecting capital projects? And what are the risks in applying such a conversion. Thank you, uh, House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Press. I agree that uh, the conversion could be um, a solution to this problem. And uh, the risk could be that, uh, for instance, if the transferring officer, uh, which become the accounting officer during the conversion, takes over the contract with the contract irregularities. Because if you are taking over a contract that is already existing, you, you could be taking over the irregularities that happened before. And this could cause delays and maybe cause project overruns. But we, I can't say these are risk that are there for every project. I think every project will have to be looked at in its own merit. Thank you. Thank you. Akbara Brink. Thank you very much, Chair. My question relates to the abuse of conditional grants by municipalities. What action will the minister take in instances like the Rustenburg local municipality where billions in conditional grants were spent to set up a bus rapid transit system without a bus rapid transit system actually being produced. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Obviously, where something like that happens between the Treasury and ourselves, we'll have to take action. Uh, as I said earlier, as I said earlier, where the wrong has been has been found, then we have to act. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Butelezi. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, given the commitments made by the president to allow independent power producers to provide electricity 
and that many municipalities generate revenue from the sale of electricity to residents, what plans does the government have for municipalities to become self-sufficient whilst providing affordable services to its local residents? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you. As far as I know, uh, the Department of Energy does allow municipalities to generate at least 100 megawatts without necessarily going through all those processes. So it's up to the municipalities to take on that offer. Thank you. Thank you very much. The last Honourable Minister, would you agree that one of the reasons for underspending is the fact that municipalities do not have the necessary, necessary qualified staff to implement projects successfully for the benefit of communities, but rather cadres that have been employed to the detriment of local communities? Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. Thank you, the Honourable the Minister. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Chair. Uh, first of all, let me just say that when we implemented the wall-to-wall -wall municipality, we made a wrong assumption that every municipality is able to generate its revenue based on the previous apartheid municipalities that were serving white people who were able to pay. So a lot of municipalities, are correct, don't have staff that is professional like engineers and planners, not because of any reason, but because they are serving indigent communities that are not able to pay and they are not able to collect revenue. So the answer is that the division of revenue, the funding model must change. Thank you. Thank you. We now move to question 468, 468. Asked to the minister in the presidency for women, youth, and persons with disabilities by the honorable, I mean, the honorable Songo. Uh, thank you, Chair, and uh, honorable Songo. Uh, Women's uh, Economic Assembly will soon be with us, but before I get to that, the department's efforts towards accelerated initiatives that address uh, women's unequal economic and social position. Uh, the following uh, milestones have been achieved. The department has in August 2021 to September 2021 implemented radio talk shows, the weekly schedule for the radio talk shows had been divided as follows. Week one, business registration. Two, SARS compliance. Three, SARS compliance. Four, local content. Five, youth policy. Six, uh, youth unemployment. Seven, SMMEs with disabilities. And last, number eight, uh, cooperatives with disabilities. The envisaged 
outcome of this intervention is an increased participation of women-owned business in the public uh, procurement space, as well as in the general economy. When uh, Women Economy Assembly, WECONA, was launched by the president on the 6th October 2021, a multi-stakeholder platform to activate uh, the public private sector value chain, particularly uh, the commitment and actions in terms of the six uh, industries, that is energy, agriculture, agro-processing, textiles, automot automotives, and uh, steel and tourism. The department is in collaboration with the Department of Trade and Industry uh, and National Treasury are working on the establishment of Women Empowerment Fund. Let me hasten to say that in the rural areas and in the townships, the best collection and sustenance of uh, financial management has been a women's mainstay through their societies. The department supports the process of developing national treasuries draft policy paper on financial inclusion to mainstream economy, youth and persons with disabilities in the economy. In relation to the Sanitary Dignity Program, the department in collaboration with the Department of Small Business Development are currently implementing a project, a project plan on putting in the place best possible approach for women-owned business to take up manufacturing opportunities within the Central Dignity Program uh, value chain. To this end, the National Task Team uh, through a national uh, task team, a business case is being developed and exploring opportunities of establishing women-owned and managed small-scale manufacturing hub, hubs or factories uh, across the Thank you, the Honorable Minister. Thank you very much. We now call on uh, Honorable Songo to do the supplement, uh, first supplementary question. Thank you, uh, Minister, for the response. Uh, is there evidence that across the sectors of our economy, we are actually witnessing greater inclusion of women? And if so, which sectors reflect this? Thanks. Thank you. The Honorable the Minister. Well, women are continuing to doing what they have been capable through the ages, even during the time of the hard and difficult times of struggle to maintain families. What we need is value that they put in, that it be appreciated and be rewarded, but also empower them by not making it difficult to access finance and financial inclusion. We also 
continue to look at how we could support the Department of Small Business uh, Trade on she trade, taking advantage of the uh, the global, I'm sorry, the, the continental uh, free trade uh, agreement. We've signed MOUs with several departments, including agriculture and several others. And we also think they need more land and post-settlement, post-enterprise and cooperatives development, skill development and market access and procurement. To this end, the internationally undertaking the series of interventions that will in, uh, ensure economic participation of women, youth and persons with disabilities in the mainstream will uh, be taken into consideration. Very soon the honorable members will be receiving uh, uh, invitations to attend the corner two of the women. We're doing this in partnership with DDM. Thank you. We now proceed and ask the Honorable Ngobo to pose. Thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you, House Chairperson. Minister, your department's track record shows that you have failed to prioritize the development of important pieces of legislation. You have also failed to fast-track the development of the Disability Rights Bill. You have failed to prioritize the development of the Wedge Bill, which is aimed at empowering women. Even your own party minister does not take women empowerment seriously, which explains why its highest leadership structure is always dominated by men. My question to you, Minister, is, when is your department going to finalize the development of the wage bill? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Well, the failure of that which you are referring to is of the failure of men and some women in South Africa. As I started in the beginning, I said we are facing the second pandemic of women being slaughtered on a daily basis, not by themselves, by the people who should be loving them. So when we move further, the economy in this country has been driven by men. And as women try to push in, they are facing enormous challenges. This is not a departmental thing. It is a matter that we should put shoulders to the wheel as a community, as a country, to open doors for women to participate in the economy of this country. That's how we'll deal with unemployment. That's how we'll give space to, un- to, to the disabled people and our youth. Thank you. Uh, Mam Sonji. Thank you, Chaperson. Uh, Minister, most of the women 
who have benefited from affirmative action and BEE transaction in the country since 1994 are white women. They benefit because they have a long-established link to white-owned businesses. Have you considered tightening these policies to ensure that government support specifically black women? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable Minister? The answer to that is yes. If we were to stop the silo working in silos, that we start with the National Development Plan that links to the DDMs and the MTSFs and take women serious, not only as those who give birth to our children, but give value, equal value for equal uh, participation in the economy. You will see this country will be roaring once again in the economy. So there is no failure of a project that was started by women supported and they are not putting their best. You empower a woman, you empower the nation. Thank you. Mam Shangwa. Uh, it's going to be me again, Honorable Chairperson. Okay. Thank you. Lord Shading is still a problem. Honorable Minister, you see, when we talk about women empowerment, uh, I agree that uh, it's not only white women that have benefited, but there are a number of black women that benefit. But just like with BEE, we must not allow just a few women to benefit from preferential procurement, etc. Now, I would like to know whether the concept of self-help and self-reliance exists within the philosophy and policies of your department. Because even at the most rural levels, if you give women certain opportunities, basic opportunities like sewing uniforms, planting vegetables, selling them at market, they will progress to be big entrepreneurs one day. Does the philosophy of self-help and self-reliance exist within your office so that you give a hand up and not a hand down? Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, Chair. The spirit of resilience and self-reliance is what brought us men and women in this parliament. It's women. You strike a woman, you strike a rock. That's why I say you empower a woman, you empower the nation. So if we indeed go out and support projects that women are championing and not continue with the exclusion, financial inclusion, exclusion of women, we will go a long way. So I really agree with you when you say we need to empower more and more women, particularly with the She Trades slogan that has been started by the Department of Small Development uh, in our country. Thank you. We now move to question 488, asked to the Minister of uh, 
Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs by the Honorable Brink. The Honorable the Minister. Uh, thank you, Honorable House Chair, and thanks to Honorable Brink for the question. The answer is no. I've, I've not assessed the validity of assigning any statutory power and or function to members of the provincial executive councils or municipal councils in terms of section 99 of the constitution of the Republic of South Africa, 1990. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Honorable Brink. Thank you, Chairperson. The reason for putting this question is particularly that the Western Cape Provincial Government and the City of Cape Town have undertaken a set of remarkable initiatives to fill the policing gap uh, in that part of the country, including the deployment of law enforcement officers using their own budgets in places like Delft and Guguletu and Bontejevel. And this has already pushed the crime stats in those areas down. So given that Cape Town and the Western Cape clearly have the capacity to do for communities what the South African police at national level can't, will the minister support the assignment of policing functions as requested by the mayor of Cape Town and the premier of the Western Cape? to uh, the provincial and local government. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. No, uh, I'm getting this. Minister, I'm No, um, Honorable uh, Brink, for a start, I've received We've received no such request. Secondly, it is the responsibility of the province to do what it can to look after the people in the province. So it's doing what it should be doing. Thank you. Thank you. It's weak. It's uh, weak. Uh, Honorable Brink, you don't do that. You don't do that. You're out of order, Honorable Brink. Uh, Honorable Kaba, Kaba Chaba. Uh, thank you, Chaperson, Putting to the Honorable Minister in the House, his large comrade. Uh, Honorable uh, Chair, Minister, should we not be. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mam, 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 Mam Kaba, Chaba, how Megan Nan? O minister ula e housing enumamu funubuzo mbuzo ni arasa uzwa njani kala pansi mam kize kala pansi kize bebarasa la o minister gaguzo usese kona ya nguye yeah, she can't unmute herself. Uh, I think uh, the system muted her. Okay. I can take I can take it's over here. Okay. Oh. Jamani. Hey. It's okay now. Chaperson, thank you. Honorable Minister, should we not be considering and threatening the 
constitutional principle of cooperative governance as opposed to seeking powers of assignment or is the member not dreaming of desires of provincially and local and local devolution of powers for a particular province thank you chairperson thank you uh, uh, honorable you minister yes thank you very much uh, honorable uh, pretty uh, injalo injalo uh, i think what what uh, honorable bring must do first is to cooperate with the ddm before wanting powers for themselves thank you thank so you there will, there will be no Honor. there'll be no cessation there'll be no province that will become a country we will all be one unitary country Useless. You run a useless department. A useless department. Uh, ICT, I I have warned Honorable Brink. Honorable Brink repeatedly switch on the mic. Order. Order, Honorable Members. ICT, please assist me and remove Honorable Brink from the platform. Proceed, Honorable Minister. Yeah, just to assure the members, it's not going to happen. We are one country with three spheres, and we will remain like that. There will be no cessation. Thank you. Doesn't matter. We have one country. We have Honorable Schreiber. Honorable Schreiber, how much you no, 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 we don't do that. It's a warning. You do that again, I'll throw you out. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Mkalipi. I'll take it on behalf of Honorable Mkalipi Chepesi. Thank Thank you very much. The DA is asking the question because they have aspirations of federalizing the Western Cape. In principle, there are no different they are not different from their right-wing counterparts agitating for cessation of the Western Cape. The real question, Minister, is whether or not South Africa should reconsider the viability of provinces at the moment. Has your department, based on assessment of service delivery challenges, not formed an opinion about the need to abolish, to abolish provinces, sorry, in order to empower the local government, the, the local sphere of government to deliver services to our people without much red tape. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable. So what we, what we are doing now, as I said earlier, we are doing a 21-year review of local government. We need inputs from all of you. Make your input. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Butelezi. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, what have been the challenges surrounding the delay of councils not being assigned these powers as yet? And what is the department doing in ensuring that they are closer to being deemed as viable? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Minister. 
Uh, thank you. The question is, have I assessed the possibility of assigning powers? I've not. So I don't know what uh, is going to be, what, what answer the honorable member wants, because we have not assessed that viability and we have not even received any request to that effect. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, honorable uh, members. We now proceed. Question 481 asked to Minister in the Presidency for Women, Youth, and Persons with Disabilities, asked by the Honorable Sonti. Honorable the Minister. Well, thanks. Yes, the department has developed an efficient system for monitoring progress on enforcing accountability and uh, compliance with the reporting and on implementation of the, on the NSP. This includes assessment of reports submitted by the Department uh, of Social uh, Development and Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. In the 2021-2022 financial years, both departments reported that 12 buildings uh, in Houting, uh, six in, in Houting and six in Western Cape, renovated by the Department of Public Works, uh, were handed to the Department of Social Development to be used. Uh, and and, and inter, as interim housing measures. In partnership with the Sarki Barman Women's Center, the Department of Social Development uh, is finalizing establishment of Kusaleka one-stop center model in Western Cape. The sheltering plays a fundamental uh, mitigating role in responding to and addressing the gendered uh, violence. The two-year reflective report on implementation on the NSP is in progress. The report will provide in-depth information on the progress. The report will provide uh, all that we need, but we still have a long way to go. We still have a lot of work to do. The response of the gender-based violence and femicide has a strong focus on tackling structural uh, drivers of the GBVF. The report will also uh, detail progress in terms of five pillar uh, on economic empowerment of victims and survivors of GBVF. While we focus on response, care and support turning to GBVF 
tied is prevention and rebuilding social fabric is uh, critical. In order to do so, we have to develop a comprehensive national gender-based violence prevention strategy for us to advance towards evidence-based uh, efforts. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Mesonji? Mamsonji? Thank you, Chaperson. Mm. Uh, Minister, the statistics of rape reported by the police are alarming more so considering the fact that many of the rapes go unreported. Most of the women who are raped in their homes and by their relatives have nowhere else to go. They are vulnerable because of their socioeconomic conditions. We have been highlighting the need for shelters since we got to parliament ages ago. Why has your department not seen the need to ensure that at least in each and every community in the country, there are shelters for abused women. Okay. Honorable uh, thank you, Minister. Thank you, Ma'am Sonti. Honorable Minister. Well, thank you very much, uh, and Ma'am Sonti. I just want to reiterate that we are not a one department looking at the issue of GBVF. We work with the other members of the IMF of, of the IMC. We chair the accountability there, those who are responsible for prevention and economic empowerment and so on and so on. The closest to us has been the social development because when victims uh, you know uh, come we need to make them want to live and become survivors and move on. So we are calling upon all stakeholders that uh, this is our responsibility. We're also calling on members of parliament and all uh, civil society uh, organizations and our people that the best the first security is how we raise our children, how we do not look the other way when there's trouble next door. When you hear Mohoshi next door, one to shame, if you do not respond, it means you are a collaborator. Thank you. Um... So we say, Pusoy Latelang, it's not like a meman and is so. Munyatakwa, how me? Thank you, Chair. Minister, while understanding the role and financial contributions of social development in funding, civil society organizations providing sheltering services and through the GBV Response Fund, the state of safe homes and shelters has become under some sharp criticism through our oversight work. What are the challenges in this regard and what has been done to resolve this? Thank you, Chair. Uh, 
we we will never have enough money or resources, particularly when we deal with a pandemic that is self-made. We just need men with positive masculinity to come to the party to help us make South Africa of Mandela shine again. Uh, countries poorer than South Africa uh, uh, we, we will we will make the difference we all desire. Thank you. Rampit. Thank you, House Chair. Minister, women are being raped every single day in South Africa. And it seems that there continues to be an issue with access to shelters and safe houses across provinces and municipalities. Noting the utterances of Minister Tere, who stated that women are lucky to be raped just once, what type of interventions has your department used to work with other departments through a transversal approach to ensure that women of this country have full confidence that they are able to escape their abuser and find safe houses or shelters when they are required. Thank you. Honorable Minister, Honorable Member, women are victims at the time they are victimized. From there, our responsibility as a society is to, as they survive, put mechanisms to make them better survivors. We are happy to to share with you that uh, private sector has also come to to party on providing shelter. It's not that much, but what is important is we need to change our mindsets because women are not raped by other species. In many cases, there are people who are supposed to be their loved ones. One day when I was uh, having a debate at night as Minister of Police, is, is our is a member of our IMC, he asked me a question that haunted me for a long time. He asked me if I was asking indeed that we should have a policeman standing at the next to the bedroom of each and every household, which is not possible. So please, South Africans, don't look the other way. Let's not leave anyone behind. Let's work together. The bill for National Council uh, for GBVF will soon be coming to Parliament, and I'm sure it will find you ready. And make sure that once and for all, we cannot say we have turned the corner as far as COVID is concerned, we, but we are unable to deal with this when Thank we you. to each other. Thanks, ma'am. Uh, it's going to be a me, me again. I changed my surname to Umashasha. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much. 
So thank you very much, Honourable Chairperson Uh, uh Honourable Minister, just following up on your last answer, that women need to be better survivors. Now, how can women who have been raped become better survivors when they know that the perpetrators of these heinous deeds are roaming free, have not been arrested, or that even when they go to the police station, there aren't sufficient rape kits for them to be tested. Now, it must concern you. And in your IMC, have you ever offered assistance from the budget of your department to the police department to obtain more rape kits? Because we understand in Eastern Cape, there's a great shortage. So help these women know that the perpetrators of these heinous crimes are put behind bars through proper evidence. Will you be able to work on that aspect, Honorable Minister? Thank you. Thank you. Your time is up. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Minister, we, we have walked this journey, this painful journey. We have even taken this debate to all sectors of our community, up to Netlake, back from Netlake, to cabinet. Now, from cabinet, we hope we will soon be bringing it in weeks' time to parliament so that we own this and show the world that we mean business. We need you, uh, Honorable Singh, and we need all of us to put a stop to this carnage. Thank you very much, Minister. We now move to question four, six, nine. Asked to the Minister in the Presidency by the Honorable Malumani. Honorable Minister, switch on your mic. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chair. The DPM introduced the practice of develop, developing and implementing improvement plans with remedial actions. The challenge is identified in each medium-term strategy framework by annual reporting cycle. The formats prescribed by the DPME and used by national government department to produce biannual reports on the MTSF and the NTP explicitly tracks implementation of recommendations. The practice of reporting progress is taking root with remedial actions reported in each biannual report. The DPME has observed that the pattern of repeating the same recommendations across several reporting cycles has decreased. In the past, some recommendations had to be repeated because there were no improvement or remedial actions to address areas of weakness. This has substantively decreased the implementation of remedial action, has improved, and departments have shown movement around those areas where recommendations are made. Challenges arise with improvement plans that require funding and that must be included in the APPs of departments. 
challenges in developing plans related to recommendations of biannual report arise because the reporting cycle does not always align with the budgeting. of the APP development cycle. Consequently, not all recommendations can be inserted in the current AAP, nor can be budgeted for mid-year. Only in subsequent year can department include these in their budget bids, and therefore their APPs, where the recommendations do not require extra funding, those departments implement and attract through the biannual system. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Maluman. Thank you very much, House Chair. I'll sue you, I will take the follow-up on behalf of Honorable Maluman. Thank you, Mr. Sir. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. From the biannual results obtained in the implementation of government priorities in the MTSF and NTP, what scenarios emerges assessing the capability of departments to implement these priorities? And if there are capability challenges, what is being done about the identified challenges? Thank you, House Chair. Thank you, the Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Marlimane, through um, Honorable Mkweba. Mkweba. <laughs> A capable state has the required human capabilities, institutional capacity, service processes, and technological platforms to deliver on the NDP through a social contract with people. The emerging scenarios is that South Africa state cannot be described as a fully capable state. Even partnerships established as social contracts are not optimized. An example would be the partnership between the state and NGOs in delivering social welfare services. A constitutional mandate of government, this partnership is underfunded as per the finding, finding of Nawongo court judgments. However, challenges in implementing are not always related to capabilities of different departments. Some of the challenges are because of slow action by departments, difficulties in collaborating across departments and across spheres of government and the path dependency that result from this. For example, where legislation is needed to unlock implementation, it is not a capability that is a problem. It is slow pace of developing the very legislation. The executive arm of the state cabinet, for instance, cannot exert influence on the legislature to speedily process draft legislation because of independence of the arms of the state. Thank you, Honorable Member. Yeah, this time you were a bit too slow. I wish just sit down and get close to the mic. We couldn't hear you very well. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Honorable McClure. Thank you, House Chair. Minister, you will agree with me that there is enough evidence against you indicating that your improvement plans does not work at all. There are so many scandals of government and its ANC cronies 
who have been protected given all other plans. Imagine 28 years in government and you still look for plans to improve departments. The CEO of Tembisa Hospital still not being grilled over fishy payments. Minister, why is it that you could not protect Babita Diokaran, who suggested a forensic audit against 217 companies with your so-called improvement plans? Instead, Babita Diokaran has died at the hands of merciless thugs. I thank you. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, maybe there's some there's a story that someone who had no eyes got the eyes of a cat. And when he was asked what is he seeing, he was seeing rats. He was seeing rats. I hope your case is not the case of the eyes of a cat. Because progress report in South Africa with regard to dealing with corruption is there for you. People are in courts, executives, and you continue to reinforce the justice system, put money. The unfortunate story of the lady Yokaran is speaking about is a story which is in the hands of the court now. I don't want to pronounce a lot of things about it. It's the most unfortunate story because there is laws in South Africa that protect uh, or protected what you call disclosure. Should they improve? Yes, you are committed if there are gaps. But having said that, I would request you to remove the eyes of a cat so that we see everything, not just the rats. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Chair. Order, honorable members. Proceed, ma. Thank you very much, Chair. Government's priorities were meant to have been geared towards halving the poverty by 2030, as per your purely conceptualized national development plan. It is not. It is not clear that you will not attain that goal. And that, in fact, the country has moved backwards since this Ramaphosa administration took over. Is the, is the monitoring and evaluation of government performance still guided by the so-called NDP? If so, have you revised any of the targets set in that document? What have been maintained, what have been the main reasons for this, for the failures of government to have poverty and, the, and to eliminate the inequalities? Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Koman. You asked three questions, but I leave it to the minister. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the, the NDP goes... Closer to the mic. There is. Maybe I'm scared of the mic. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> the NDP goes. There has been significant achievement in terms of socioeconomic indicators, be they access to education, access to ACT, access to housing, access to water, a number of those socioeconomic indicators. But we agree with those who say we are slower, our pace 
of implementing the NDP is slow uh, and 2030 is around the corner. That's why a number of interventions. When we adopted the seven priorities in, uh, in 2019 of a capable state and then uh, economic transformation, skills development, social wage, spatial planning, and uh, social cohesion with a better Africa and a better world is an attempt to improve our pace in improving our performance on the NDP. NDP is a relevant plan because it has got particular clues with regard to where should we be in terms of employment, in terms of our investment ratio to GDP, in terms of Gini coefficients, so because it commits us to those goals and we've been able over years to put together medium-term strategic framework, which on annual basis is followed by a national annual strategic planning instruments. So it remains relevant. You can't be here and have a plan and then leave it midway. Thank you very much. Thank you. The last question from the follow-up question on this will be Honorable Majosi. I hope Houghton there's still electricity. Honorable Majosi. I think KZN will have to take over, Honorable Chairperson. Take it, KZN. Again? He's not, he's <laughs> okay, not responding. Honorable Minister, I mean, in. <laughs> Honorable Minister, in, 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 in your responses, you've said that, uh, you know, there's no action by some departments in showing these improvements. Now, you see, the buck stops with the head of the executive, the minister of the department, not the department itself. Now, to what extent are these reports that you receive on, on, on the evaluation of departments given to the president himself as head of government to consider when he is appointing his ministers or removing these ministers? Are these reports placed in front of him? Because what I hear is quite distressing about the non-performance of some of the departments. An honorable minister is not the legislature that's found wanting in processing legislation. Many times we get it very late from the executive and we have to meet certain time frames which are set by the courts. So I'd just like to know to what extent is the president Unfortunately, your time thank has you, expired. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, honorable minister. Thank you, honorable Singh. I, I, I'm, I'm suspicious, Chair that uh, Honorable Singh has actually thrown all the IFP members to, into load shedding. So that is the only one who's asking questions. But having ever, I'm that, so, that I'm is not my pendule, I mean. <laughs> So, uh, No, 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 you are not, you are not recognized, Honorable uh, Paulson. Proceed, Minister. Your time is moving. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I was saying we, if you, if you read our biannual report, I've already said here that it, it exposed underperformance areas and explain the underlying reasons for underperformance. 
and propose remedial actions. That, that report gets tabled before cabinet twice a year. But I do want to make the point, Chair, that one of the things that is going to help government to do better is a seamlessness between parliament and executive. Because one of the key things, that's why we are introducing integrated policy framework, which look at coordinating all systems to ensure that parliament and the executives in terms of performance and language use and the theory that is applied, we have got a common understanding of what is mutually expected between us. But we are moving along that path and uh, we will get there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Honorable members, wait. Uh, may I allow the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs to say something before we move on? Thank you, uh, Honorable House Chair. I just want to clarify uh, what Honorable Kalipe said and what I said. Because the information I, I got at the point was that we were not aware. But when Honorable Mkalipe insisted that we knew, I then went back to the department and to my office to check. And this is the response. The question about Umzwabant. About Umzwabant, yes. And the answer that I have got now is that we indeed received communication on the forensic investigation and we have responded by referring the matter to the Wazulu Natal province. So I want to apologize for the earlier answer. This is the answer that now I've got after following up. But I will still ask for the report because what we got was not the report. It was just the information that there was a forensic that was being done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I believe Honorable Mkalipi is still on the platform, but you will know. Honorable members, order, order. Honorable Paulson and the chief whip of the majority party, allow me to proceed. Time allocated for questions has expired. Outstanding replies uh, received will be printed on Hansard. That concludes the business of the day and the house is adjourned. Yes, Chair.